Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode today, and I'm here with a new friend of mine, Larkin Kendall. Larkin, thank you so much for making time for myself and for the Boca Podcast listeners today. Oh, yeah, Nathan. Thank you so much. I'm honored to even be asked. Well, I, no, actually, I have to say, and, and hopefully this doesn't come off too uh, cliche or, or otherwise, but it's truly, the, the honor is truly mine. I, I sent you an email, I think it was maybe Thursday or Friday, probably, and just to touch base with you again before we did this interview, and I told you at the time that I was scrolling through your pictures literally in tears as I had some emotional soundtrack music playing oh. in the background or something, but your your work is absolutely stunning, and I want to start off with that. Uh, I had the opportunity to just kind of look through some of your couples sessions that are just stunning. I was already, in fact, I, I shared oh. a link with my my girlfriend. I was like, I think we may have to go make a trip out to the Seattle area and have a session done because these oh my are just gosh. incredible. Yes, please. I think I'm in love with you now. Um, thank you so much. I really, that's really the best reaction that you can ask for as a photographer is that somebody's reacting emotionally to what you are putting in front of their eyes. So thank you so much. Well, you know, there's a lot of conversation in the photo industry of an image capturing the individual, the subject and who they are at the deepest level, or maybe this in a similar sense, capturing the relationship between two people. But your images really do capture a raw element of interaction between these people, the couples uh, in your sessions. And I have to share it with everybody. For those of you listening in, you've got to go to Larkin, L-A-U-R-K-E-N. And Larkin, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, it is. My mother spelled it horribly. It's spelled Larkin, or it's pronounced Larkin, L-A-R-K-I-N, but it's spelled like Lorkin. And what's funny is my sister's name is actually Lauren. So we have one letter difference and we're 18 (laughs) months apart. It's basically a nightmare that I live every day. Um, But my name is pronounced Larkin. So it's LarkinKendall.com. Correct. So it's K-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. So L-A-U-R-K-E-N-K-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at BocaPodcast.com. And also make sure you check out Larkin's work on Instagram, same place, Larkin Kendall. We'll also link to that in the show notes. But again, major props to you for your work. It's I was truly inspired. And again, I, I'm not altogether joking that I may be out there in Seattle. I actually have family that lives out that direction. We may have to come out there for a session at some point. Yes. Holler at me. I would love to. I really, um, I feel that I don't get to shoot a lot of anymore since I've taken that, you know, the deep dive into the wedding industry when I do couples work, it's, it's few and fewer and farther between these days that I get to sit down with a couple and spend a few hours just kind of exploring who they are, screwing around, taking some photos, experimenting. Yeah. I play a lot off the people that I'm, that I'm around. So it's also part of, part of what I do is being a, being a, being able to read people. Um, that really helps me kind of tune in on what, what is uh, different from couple to couple. So I love getting to do that. And I feel like I don't get to do it enough. So holla at me. I absolutely will. But I'm now you have me curious because you said something that that struck a chord with me that resonates with me. And that is that you said you play off 
other people that you're around, in this case, particularly couples, I, I find that I do the same thing. I think a lot of human beings just tend to do that. We play off the energy of other people. But how yeah. do you how do you overcome that in some cases where, say, maybe you're connecting with a client who doesn't have the best energy in the world and you you know that you want to carry yourself in a way, but you also know that you play into the energy of other people. How do you overcome that? I think what's super important is, first of all, I spend probably the first 20 minutes just trying to figure out what kind of people I'm working with. And I, I normally, I mean, 99% of the time I nail it within that first 20 minute window. And then there, there are people though, that you will find like this. There was a couple weekends ago that I had a couple totally different from the couples that I'm used to shooting. Um, they did not react to a lot of the things that usually work to get, I, above all things, I strive to get a true emotional reaction. Whereas, you know, the photo shoot is a manufactured experience inherently. I try to make sure that I'm not telling people to laugh or to cry, or I like to create an environment and direct them into a situation where everything is actually occurring. Um, that's on their faces. So I had a situation where it just wasn't working with some of these people. Um, a couple of these people that I was working with and I was just like, you know what, it's kind of time to uh, do it their way. And sometimes that's what it takes. You need to, I need to be able to, it was hard for me, but I stepped out of my comfort zone. I struggled trying to direct in a new way. These were people that were not high energy. They really needed me to be more calm and I'm extremely ADD as well. So it's (laughs) like I bounce all over the place. So it was, it it needed um, a new element for me. It was very challenging. It was great. It was a good experience. But in those times, you know, I like to play around when I see that something's not working. I kind of will switch gears. Some people need you to be high energy and they're not going to be the intense, intimate, you know, desperate looking photos. They're going to be the fun, playful because that's where their comfort zone is. Um, and then some people need you to just talk softly or not talk at all Mm. and whisper and, you know, help them move, move a little bit different than they normally do, but also stay within, you know, calm and quiet. And so it's just, it's all challenging across the board, but you have to be willing to step out and make an ass of yourself to accomplish a true, a true depiction of what, what everybody's like. But you, you are describing here a scenario, which I think is not discussed enough, which is the significance of empathy for the environment that you're in. I mean, this is true on a personal level, just day to day in the way that we interact with people. I'm amazed at times at, at the lack of intuition and empathy that people have in the way that they engage in an environment. And, and the statement that you hear a lot of times is, well, this is just who I am. And, you know, there's a bit right. of ego there that, that is innate to that type of statement. But especially as photographers, if, if we're, I mean, sure, we may be artists, but at the end of the day, if we're going to serve our clients, if we're going to take care of our clients and we're going to create images that actually reflect who they are, then the kind of empathy that you're describing is absolutely necessary. And I, you're setting a wonderful example for us. I love that we started off with this. And maybe if, if we're lucky enough, we can have you back on again, just to talk specifically about how you go about those sessions, because it's some of the most stunning work that I've seen of, of couples in, in so, so oh. long. So major props to you. I would love that. Thank you so much. 100%. And, and uh, we're just going to kind of go a different direction here right off the bat. But do tell us something totally random about yourself that maybe most people don't know. Okay. Um, I got married in a nursing home, actually. No way. Which is it's so ironic because I never actually had my own wedding. And yet I spend a great majority of my time going to other people's weddings. 
So it's pretty interesting. My husband and I have been together for 15 years. We are high school sweethearts, which I hate that word, but that's what we are. (laughs) Why do you hate Um, that word? I just think it's so cliche. And so I shy away a little bit from uh, cliche terms, but it's true. We met when we were young. We've grown up together. We have a minimal amount of family. So we've kind of leaned on each other. We started, you know, our first son was we had when I was 21 and then we ended up getting married four years later. So we got married. We had this big plan for like this fall wedding and it was going to be on our farm. And then his grandpa, who was the light of his life, um, like a father to him and also really close to me, got very sick. And he went from, you know, fixing his roof to being in a hospice home center in a matter of months. So we just scrapped everything and we stood in front of him and we said, I do. And our little guy stood beside us. And that has been, um, I would not take that back for anything in the world. For all the pottery barn baking ware in the world and all the Aruba honeymoons, yes. we never did any of that. And so I really have a clear understanding of what's important when I'm at a wedding. Mm. I think because that experience shaped, shaped a lot of who I am and how I view what I do. Wow. Do you have any pictures from that day? I do. I have, well, this is the funny part is I paid, uh, I was getting my hair done for my wedding that day. And one of the assistants who was the hair washer was like, Oh, I take photos. And I realized, Oh my goodness, I don't have a photographer. So I paid her $30 to come take some photos of me getting married. And that's what I have. I have a bunch of low quality JPEGs, but I have that most important photo of Cody's grandpa. there looking on and our little guy right next to us. And we're just in the tiny chapel of the the hospice center. Wow. What a stunning story. That's incredible. And, and you know, I, I can, again, very much relate to what you're saying. All the the kind of hoopla, if you will, that, that we see as wedding photographers these days around weddings and everything that goes into them, while they can certainly lend themselves to beautiful pictures, at the end of the day, we're talking about a connection between two people and maybe their close friends right. or family with them right. and, and the representation that they bring to that, that picture, literally and figuratively. And uh, right. I think that is what's most beautiful. And I, I, I love how you describe that. I'd love to see that picture at some point. I think that sounds Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. I'll send it to you. You mentioned living on a farm, though, too. And this is something else kind of random and unusual and, and I think really, really cool that you guys actually live on a wheat farm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So um, we live on a centennial wheat farm. My husband is fifth generation, which means my sons are sixth generation. I have three sons. My living room, where it is right now, a few feet away from me, is where our original homestead stood in the 1880s. And I have an actual um, photograph of the original family standing in front of the house. My tree that's now massive in my front yard, our maple tree is very tiny. And and it's we really get a clear picture of the passage of time. Legacy is a big deal for us. Mm. The dirt that we work is the dirt that generation, we know where our family you know, comes from. Wow. And it's right here. Everything, you know, everything's right here on this ground. And so I always say for my husband, for my boys, for me now, the dirt of this farm, that's our blood. It runs in our veins. It's everything to us. Um, and it also, it's, it's a thankless job that my husband does. Yeah. It really is. It's hard work. He's in the sun. He, you know, works really long hours. He's working on heavy machinery that nobody wants. It's a job nobody wants, but it also affords us a lifestyle that nobody has anymore. And and what is that lifestyle? What does that look like? It looks like little boys, just butt naked little boys rolling in a big mud pit, Mm. 
my kids have, we have 1300 acres. We're dry land wheat farmers. Wow. Um, my kids just run wild. We're barefoot outside all the time. I don't worry about strangers. We, we just have fresh air and freedom. And it's, I think it's just something that's, that's fleeting this day and age. Oh, hundred percent. That sounds just idyllic. That's incredible. Do they, do you find that if you have the opportunity to spend time with your husband, I know that his work schedule has to be crazy, probably early morning light to, to late evening sometimes, but yes. how do you like to spend time together? Is it just in the quiet at home or do you, do you like to get out or can you in that area that you're in? Well, we actually, that's what's an interesting fact too, is we actually live, um, my son's school is 30 miles away. So we drive our kid 30 minutes, one way to school every day. The nearest Walmart is a little over an hour away. We live a quiet kind of a life. It doesn't allow, the good thing about it is if I'm craving, you know, um, a cheeseburger, I can't have it. So that's a good (laughs) upside of living, living so far away from um, the town. But so we don't get out a whole lot because it is like, it's going to be a five hour thing to go see a movie. Wow. So what we like to do is a lot of what the work that we do on the farm, especially during the summer, you said about my husband working long hours, our seasons actually align so that his high season is mine as well. So okay. we're, it's frantic in the summer. He's doing harvest and I'm traveling for weddings. So what we kind of do is we, when we can, we work together. Um, I'll come home from a wedding on, you know, like a Saturday in September or Sunday in September, jump in the truck on Monday, drive truck for my husband while he's cutting the wheat. We'll load the boys up a box full of Otter Pops. And we do life, we do as many things together within our work life and our farm as we can. But then, you know, we curl up at night and just spend an hour watching TV together. We make sure that we're all seated at the table for dinner. Mm. Just the little things that we can do. No, I, I I love that picture though, and and again, I mean, we we were talking about the idea of what's most important, and uh, not only is that applicable certainly to to a wedding ceremony, but even day to day life too. And I, I love that. I'm very much a, a minimalist, and uh, I think at the end of the day, less stuff gets in the way of my relationships with the significant people around me, the better. And and that seems like you guys live that life too. That's really, really cool. Tell us a little bit about uh, maybe one of the most impactful books that you've read, because maybe this is an assumption, but I'm going to assume that the, uh, with, with the style of life that you're living, that books are a welcome kind of solace from the day-to-day busyness. You know, but wouldn't it be nice if they were? I, who has time to read books? Honestly, <laughs> um, I used to, I used to read a ton of books, but I, what I've been doing recently is doing audiobooks yeah. um, while I'm editing and stuff like that. It's kind of like listening to podcasts. I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to a book. But a book that comes to mind right now, it's not. It's it's interesting. It's you are a badass at making money. So okay. a lot of people have heard of you are a badass, yeah, which is yeah. kind of a. Uh, all about that energy and the and um, you know bringing things to you with the power of suggestion and putting things into the world and into words. This is kind of the same concept, but it kind of breaks down these ideas that we have that the want of money is negative because I think a lot mm. of ways money is it, it kind of paints for you a picture where money is actually only energy as well, and money allows you to be more charitable. It allows you to go experience the world, have things you otherwise wouldn't have. It, it allows you to be the freest and most glorious sort of version of yourself and, and to create and to do things for the people that you love in a way that you couldn't do. So I love that. And it kind of changed my concept of money and how I thought of money. So instead of having this negative idea of money being, you know, horrible and not having enough of it, and I'm always fighting for it, I kind of am just like, you know what, it's going to come to me because I know that it's good and I want to do good things with it. And so 
it's it's been impactful in that way. Well, kind of like we talk about here on the podcast, the idea of structuring, creating an efficient workflow so that we can actually have a life at the end of the day or the end of the week as photography business owners, kind of like that's not mutually exclusive from also being an artist. I, I think right. you can also intelligently and proactively make a good living while still being an artist. The idea that those two things can't coincide, I think is absolutely a misnomer. And uh, I love that you're learning that too. Absolutely. And there's a part of that too, where, you know, I've heard it said we have a little artist on one shoulder and a little businessman on one shoulder. And the artist is truly, if you let the artist take over, then it becomes a game of ego. Hmm. So you kind of have to find a good balance between being a business and being an artist to where you're not leaning too far to either side. Oh, but I like, I like hearing that statement coming from you as uh, to me, the kind of the epitome of, of a photographic artist that you're acknowledging the reality of ego, because I think a lot of times in our industry, that reality is not acknowledged and people just kind of blindly move forward. As you were saying, asserting the fact that there are artists and that tends to get in the way of business, unfortunately. And if we're going to actually make a living as business owners, we have to consider both sides. So that's, that's really, really exactly. interesting. And I don't feel like there's any room for ego. If, if you're capturing authentic intimacy between people, you can't hmm. make it about yourself. Ah, I love that. I think we're going to, we're going to have to, I, I see some Instagram quotes and t-shirts coming from that. That's a good yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> Give me all the t-shirts. That's awesome. I am curious to get your take on this because I know that you're a pretty open book and a straightforward communicator, but there's this, there's been this trend and I've, I mean, I've heard a lot about you are a badass, you're a badass at making money. This was something that I think maybe even another guest on the podcast brought up. There are a series of books from Brene Brown that all seem to be addressing insecurities that we have as human beings, maybe as artists as well. Where do you think that trend comes from? And, I, and by the way, I can certainly relate to this notion. One of my biggest struggles as an individual and something personally that I've continued to, to work at and hopefully grow at uh, are my insecurities and how that plays into the way that I in, interact with or engage with other people, even do business. But why do you think that right. that's such a trend these days? I think that we are... As a human, as, at this point in time, as a human species, we are taking on more information than at any previous point. With the internet and social media, mm -hmm. your, your brain is being overloaded all day long with images from other people, with what other people are doing, how they're living life, where they're getting to go, their, what you're perceiving as success versus what you're, what you're putting out is what your failures are, what you feel your failures are. Um, and I think that a lot of it, it's kind of goes that kind of modern day um, comparison pox, yeah. as I call it, yep. goes hand in hand also with trauma that we've maybe had from early childhood. Because I think a lot of the things that we're prone to feel badly about in our insecurities come from a time when we were young and, sure. and first scarred. Agreed. And it's interesting though. I never thought about the coupling of those those elements of our current culture, though, I, I, it, it just strikes me that, I mean, you see it, for example, on Facebook all the time, that very obvious, even if the person posting doesn't realize they're doing it, this very obvious proclamation of insecurity in one form or another. And it just has seemed to be such a strong theme. And again, while it's a very, very much a reality for us, I wonder why it is so extremely present in our day-to-day -day life, but I've never thought about it from, from that from that angle, I guess, with coupling both our childhood experiences with this knowledge, this awareness of those around us and, and not just around us, kind of all around the world, literally. Absolutely. And when you think about it, we live in a day and age where we're saying, validate me. 
Mm. Hey, here's my photo. Validate me. Here's my family vacation. Validate me. Tell me it was good. Tell me I did good. Tell me I'm a success. Tell me my family is beautiful. We live in a very, an age of validate me. And I feel that that's also contributing to with the overwhelming information we're receiving with feeling like we're not enough. And then we want people's validation. And if we fall 20, like short of the previous post, then, (laughs) oh, this must, this must not be good. Right. Right. No, it's so, so true. Well, these are points of conversation that I'm I'm sure will be ongoing, but I really appreciate your perspective in that. And and it's good food for thought. Let's speaking of photography and and posts on Instagram, social media, I'm curious about your business as a photographer. And and if you don't mind sharing a little bit about how you got started, I'd I'd be curious. Absolutely. Um, So I I started shooting. I mean, I've kind of always had a camera in my hands, not not so much even thinking anything of it, but, you know, parties and all that stuff growing up, that was kind of like what I did was I would stop and buy the disposable cameras because back in those days, that's what we were up to. And then I had children and it kind of changed everything for me. Hmm. Photographs became something more than just paper. They stopped time. They actually stopped time. And so in the spring of 2014, when I had I had my second son and my husband bought me a newer camera and I started taking photos of them and I started posting them on Facebook and people were like, oh, can you, you want to take photos of my family? And I was like, sure. So I would go to my friend's houses, do the same thing. Um, And it just kind of evolved and took on a life of its own. And I'd never intended to be sitting here talking to you today, truly. It just, it all just snowballed and it all just kind of happened. And I'm curious about that snowball because not only does your work speak very loudly for itself, but I mean, you've got 50,000 followers on Instagram too. How does this all happen within the span of four years? I think, I truly think, and this is, this might sound egotistical, I don't know, but I truly think it's because I didn't come with the bullshit to social media that you see every day. I never posted a picture of myself on vacation. I never pretended that my life was anything other than what it, what it was. Yeah. And if I have a bad day, I say I've had a really shitty day Hmm. or I just, you know, I'll crack jokes. I don't take myself so seriously. If I have nothing to say, I'll be like, meh, that'll be my caption or (laughs) I, or I, I don't want to caption today. So you're not, Um, you're not posting pictures of yourself smiling on your bed as you're working on your computer. Like I, I I see these, these types of, or, or sitting at the dining room table, having just finished a cup of coffee as you're scrolling through your Instagram or in anything of the sort. It seems like these are a theme. And I, I was literally actually scrolling through social media earlier. And, and I think I even laughed out loud. I mean, my, my apartment on my own, I laughed out loud seeing this picture because it's so cliche now. You see this everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not that person. Um, I embrace the mess of my life. I'm okay with who I am. I am not perfect in, by any means. Um, and I just want to normalize a regular you know, a regular, messy, crazy, scared life that we're all living. I want to make that okay to show that because I think we would all have so much less insecurity if we were honest about who we are. Hmm. But how do we then, to our earlier conversation, and and I'll continue to go down this road because I think it's relevant. We see it so much in our photography industry. How do you balance though that kind of, again, borrowing cliche words, vulnerability, transparency with not posting for the sake of our insecurity and wanting the positive feedback? Because you also see people that are just nonstop, you know, complaining or negative or talking about all the things that they're dealing with in life. And it just becomes exhausting to read that too. It's intuition. It's knowing the things that you have to know what annoys you. 
So I know if I see someone complaining all the time, I don't want to deal with that. If I see the, I look at the accounts that I follow and that I like to look at, and they're just people that are living their everyday lives. They're not putting on facades. They're not pretending like they're anything that they're not. Mm. There's a, there's a good balance between the good and the bad. And I like that because that's what my life is. It's a good balance between, you know, the crappy things that happen and the great things that happen. And then just the, you know, the steady stream of life in between where there's really nothing going on. Um, but it, I mean, just posting to Instagram, you are saying validate me. I'm saying validate me. I'm saying, tell me that I'm, that I'm okay, that I'm doing okay, that yeah. it's okay to feel this way. Yeah. I don't pretend like I'm not, I'm playing the game like everyone else, but I just don't take it as seriously, I think, because it just, I have children and I just feel like, um, that kind of changes the way that you view the world when you have something walking around outside of your body that has, you know, your whole heart and the, I know what's important to me and it's them. It's not, you know, I try not to let the little things bug me, like whether I'm getting the, you know, my favorite photo that I love so much is getting the attention that I think it deserves. <laughs> yeah, I think you have a pretty balanced perspective in that regard. Talk to us about the the brand position of your your business, because this is a tough one. I mean, you're in a relatively large, I mean, I know that you're, you're away from the hustle and bustle day-to-day town or city life, but the Seattle area wedding market is a pretty large one. How do you set right. yourself apart from photographers in that market? What is your business's brand position? What's interesting is I'm just kind of working on my new, kind of putting it into words, but in Seattle, the area has this overall motif of adventure. Hmm. I'm here for the adventurous and, you know, the, the crazy people who want to go hike to the top of a mountain and have their dress blow. I'm not like that. I'm what I call a roadside photographer. Like I don't want to go hiking for nine miles uphill and sweat and, I like to work out in my own time. I don't want to do that when I'm working. That's I'm not a hiker. I'm not somebody that enjoys. I went to Iceland, for instance, and I didn't like it because I didn't care to go look at a waterfall for two hours. <laughs> that's just not who. That's just not who I am. So yeah. my my f- photography brand position is I'm Larkin, and I'm here for the imperfect and in love um, because I am imperfect and in love. Oh no, I, absolutely. Well, I, and we're going to actually talk a little bit more about your family life here in just a little bit. But did you actually say on your website somewhere um, that you're? That, I mean, you actually said these words: "I am not for the adventurous couple." Yes, yes. It's I am not just for the adventurous because that's what sets me apart from the every website that you're looking at for Seattle. If you Google Seattle wedding photography, so many of the words that hit you on the front page are adventure oriented words mm. or adventure itself. So I put, I am not just for the adventurous. <laughs> well, I, I think this is a good reminder of a really powerful idea for us as business owners. And that is see what the market is doing and go the opposite direction. Because there are a lot of opportunities when it comes to creating a brand position, there's a tendency. I mean, you see this even, and in, in, I mean, as the owner of an editing company, that conversation that I have or hear quite a bit revolves around the idea of style. And photographers talk about their style, and yet at the end of the day, many, if not most, are simply kind of imitating a style that they saw somewhere else, which means that probably hundreds or even thousands of photographers are doing the same thing. There's this tendency Absolutely. that we have to kind of move in the direction that a person or a group of people are going. But as a business owner, if you want to create a brand position, something that's going to actually stand out, you need to go the other direction. And uh, and exactly. so I, I think this is a great reminder of that that very idea. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Talk to us about gear a little bit. You, you said you mentioned the camera that you got from your husband back in 2014. What was that camera? And then what have you kind of evolved to these days? 
Well, that was a Canon Rebel. I no longer shoot Canon. I, I shoot Nikon. Okay. So t- Team Nikon. For hashtag sure. Team Nikon. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, and then I use, so like my favorite lens actually is a, Nikon, a Nikkor 58 millimeter, which I don't know that they make that in a Canon model. Maybe they make it in a Sigma or something else. From what I remember, it's pretty exclusive to Nikon. I love the 58. It's my favorite lens. It has less warping. I, I love everything about it. What so more specifically though, if 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 you were to say like this is my go-to lens because I mean is it is it the the depth of field the style of bokeh is it um, the focal length itself the combination of those things or is it something else? It's a combination because it's a feeling. I can't put a word to it. I love how it feels when I look at photos that are taken with it. And then I I love my thirty-five would be my next favorite because I just it has. I like that it's not, I don't like things that have a lot of compression in the background. So Mm. like an 85, that's just not, I'm not into like a whole ton of like buttery bokeh. Interesting. Do you want more context to your photos? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I'm the, but I'm also the person that I'm not going to remove. People always tell me, oh my gosh, I love it because it's messy and it, you know, it feels like real life, but it also is because I love how, you know, you get all the context, you got everything kind of, you, you set the tone for what's going on. Um, with the background and what's showing, but then also like, I'm not a person that's going to go and take a Coke bottle out in the background. <laughs> right. Again, a little bit of balance there. Um, as far as the move from Canon to Nikon though, and at the end of the day, of course, we all know it doesn't really matter that much, but I'm curious as to why you made that move. Was it for the ergos or was it something else? It was something else. That's not even that cool. I actually shot I have an idol. We all have an idol in our, you know, in whatever we yeah, do. Yeah. Um, my idol's name is Brooke Johnson. Okay. She's a photographer. Her her business name is Blush by B. If you want to look her up online, I fell in love. She's the one that got me into couples photography. I wasn't even on Instagram. This was 2015. Uh, I'm sorry, late 2014. I saw some of her couples work come on in Pinterest, and that was the first time that I had seen couples shot in a way that made me cry. Wow. And I was like. I, I just like hit me like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. So I went to her workshop. That was the first workshop I ever went to. I paid $1,500 that I didn't have. I made it happen. I went over there and I shot her Nikon and I loved it. And so it was kind of like, you know, in a way how you emulate and you're going to emulate the things that you respect and the things you look up to. So that's kind of what started it for me. I, I love the coloring straight out of camera as well. I, I love everything about it. Oh, that totally makes sense. So I'm curious then, because I'm, I'm as you're talking, I'm I'm looking for Brooks. Is she on Instagram? She's on Instagram. Her Instagram is at Braille, like B R I L L E, and then Gold G O L D. Oh, perfect. Oh, and she was the one that that did the portrait of you there she on your property, did, right? She did my fam- all of my family photos. That was our first family photos on the farm. I haven't gotten them back yet. I'm gonna blow up the internet with them when I do. <laughs> but she came and and told our story in the way that I wanted it to be told. And I am so excited to get all those photos back. Those are coming soon. Wow. Okay. I'm so following her. And of course, for those of you listening and again, it's B-R-A-I-L-L-E gold, Braille gold for Brooke Davis. And we'll link to her in the show notes as well. Uh, but I appreciate you sharing that. Let's move in a different direction though. You've talked about your family quite a bit and it's obviously a priority, but 
I wanted to, to get into today this idea of balancing family life and business life. And this is something that, I mean, you've got quite the, the interesting and unique life as it is. And I'm curious how you're, you're making that happen. But on your site, it says, above all things, I am mom. I have birthed three boys in the last nine years, and they are the reason my heart beats. I think it's fascinating how we define ourselves as individuals through our profession, a personal mission, through art, through relationships. And, and so I'm curious, what is it that makes motherhood your life, your energy, what, why does it drive you the way that it does? I think that, well, first of all, I would never even be truly in love with photography. It wasn't for my children. They made things feel more important after they were, after they came into existence. Hmm. So that's, you know, just the basic. I really think that they make me uh, want to be a better version of myself. So they created this drive. I didn't have this drive to be do something, you know, significant with my life or feel accomplished or feel successful until I had them. And that's the truth of it. I want to I want to be successful. I do everything that I do for them and because of them because I want to give them a better life than I had growing up. Again, it goes back to things that happened in early childhood. Sure. Um the scars of that, the experience of that. So I we always tend to do Somehow we tend to do the opposite of our of our parents while while also like ending up like them in a way. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. So, so it's like you can't control it. It's very primal. So that's what I that's how I view my motherhood. I just don't think that I could feel as deeply for other people um and and really recognize and have that like intuition and and bring that emotion out of other people without understanding it in myself and what drives it out of myself. And they gave me that. And if I'm not digging too deep here, I'm curious what made that shift? What was the shift in perspective? What did it look like before they came along? And then how did that shift after? Oh, I was horribly selfish before my children came along, which is kind of ironic because people tend to think I, I noticed this trend right now, not a trend, but like this kind of pattern in my life with my husband, he takes care of my children when I'm gone. It's so important to have I, I don't know how I would do it without him, but he gets these comments a lot. And it's mostly from other women who are like, oh, I can't believe that you let her do that. And, you know, it's kind of like judgment coming off of them wow. toward me for yeah. what I do as being, you know, it's perceived that I'm being selfish. But what I'm doing is creating a business, creating a safety net for my family, finding identity for myself so that I can be a better mother, so that I'm not at home resenting my children because. On some level, I feel that we're just, women are humans too. We're mothers, yes, and that is first and foremost what I am. But if I'm not self fulfilled, then I am not happy, you know. And I, how can I raise my children and be there for them to the fullest extent of my potential if I'm unhappy with myself? So I travel. Yes, um, people think it's glamorous. It's not. It's exhausting. I travel. I'm away from my kids all the time. Um, but I bring them with me. I FaceTime them if I'm on a beach. I FaceTime them if I'm, you know, in Iceland. I FaceTime them from my hotel room when I'm crying and I miss them. So, I mean, mom is not a word that means I need to be standing in the kitchen or I need to be doing laundry or I need to be home when the kids get home from school and sacrificing all the things I want in life. It's not, it doesn't have, mom does not have to be martyrdom. It can be everything. And I'm a better mom because of the things that I do. I, I like that. You're, you're speaking to the significance of independence, and and this plays a, a really important role, I think, at least I, this is what I've learned in the last few years in romantic relationships, too. But um, even when it comes to relationships with our kids, if if you are able to exhibit and actually live an independent life to, to the extent that is healthy when you have a family, right. then I think that can also even encourage that in them so that they're not they don't become 
simply codependent, um, that they learn the significance of independence. And yet, I love the fact that you also balance that with sharing with them actively, proactively as you travel and uh, including them in that. And I'm sure that that's exciting for them and, and that they get to connect with you that way and you can tell them the stories and, and the experiences, the adventures that you had. I think that's a really wonderful balance too. But you know that the idea that we have to follow it, what ultimately is a construct you know, this is how life should be, or this is what motherhood or fatherhood should look like. It's hilarious. With my former partner, the comment that I always got, because I was, and still am, um, obviously, an, an active parent. I have a 16 and 13-year-old, but particularly when they were younger, if my ex was on the road shooting or doing a workshop or otherwise, the comments that I got of total surprise that that I would be, quote, at home with my kids or, you know, babysitting the kids. I've even heard that word being used, yes. which is hilarious. Um, is it, it was just it was amazing, and um, so so this idea that we have to follow the typical construct of whatever wherever our culture is at the time is is very short sighted, narrow minded. I think, and and I love that you're Absolutely. exploring a, a different avenue here, but doing so in a healthy and what seems like a balanced way. I'm curious, well, what I, I know that you're traveling a lot. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you manage that travel simultaneously have a home life here in just a second, but what does the day-to-day look like? How do you fit it all into one day? I mean, that you have the parenting and you have the photography business and the farm as well. What does the day in the life look like for you? And truly, Nathan, I just do it. I know the, like, the things that I need to get done from day-to-day. I usually have two or three things that if I don't get them done, I just feel deflated at the end of the day. I feel like I wasn't successful. I get up in the morning around 6 a.m. I go, we have an old shed in the back that we turned into a home gym. So I go back there um, and that's my self-care. That's me setting the tone for the day. That's me knowing that as the hours drag on, I'm not going to want to do it because I'm going to get wrapped up in work yep. or you know, the, who knows what can happen when you have three kids. Totally. Your day doesn't ever go as it's supposed to go. So I like to control the things I can control. I like mm. to say, hey, I'm going to try to, I'm going to get my workout done at this time in the morning because that's my self-care. That makes me feel sane and that makes me want to not set my house on fire if I sweat for a little bit each day. And then I say, okay. And then between the hours of 10 and four, I'm working, I'm available to my clients. I'm getting my website. I'm currently redoing my website. So I'm going to get, you know, all the copy done for my new website, or I'm going to edit this wedding, edit this wedding. And it's also part of my life is outsourcing. I outsource my editing. I edit, you know, a hundred to 200 images of each wedding. And then I send them all out. And I had to do that this year because it just was the volume of weddings that I was taking. It was eating my life alive. My husband was starting to get upset because I was a slave to my computer. I was on it all night, all day. It wasn't, it wasn't a practical or sustainable lifestyle for the health of my family and for the health of my business. So I really learned this year boundaries for myself so I have that schedule that I do. So I work on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And, and I can do, you know, I can change it if I need to, as I have to be flexible because I am a mother. Um, and I stop for an hour for lunch, play with my kids. Um, and they also like sit around me. My children are all around me all day. I don't shut them out of my life. They hmm. know what I'm doing. They ask questions about my photos. Um, my little one, Bowie, he's two. He often sits on my lap and colors while I edit. I don't think that it has to be two separate things. I like to include, I'll even sometimes bring my kids on shoots with me. I shot an engagement, a couple engagement sessions um, last year with Bowie on my back in a baby backpack. 
Um, my couples loved it. It just shows that I'm I'm a living human being and I can do more more than one thing at a time. So, but I do have to set myself that schedule. I do have to say these are the things. And for me, it's not necessarily hourly. I do like to stay, you know, say between ten and five. I'm going to work or ten and four. Yeah. Um, but I do like to have those three things that I want to do every day. And I want to. I have the swipes app, which I'm addicted to because it's just the satisfaction of swiping and hearing the little ping, um, which means I've completed. <laughs> completed a task. I'm an instant gratification person apparently. So I, I like to have just those three things set. And then I also like to feel at the end of the day, like I was available to my children too, because that was something that for a few months there I lost and I was crying myself to sleep at night because I have mom guilt is a thing. Parent parental guilt is a thing. And I feel it not only because of, you know, how much I'm gone. I, I don't want to be stuck to my computer when I'm home. My husband once said to me, you know, you're it feels like you're not even home when you're home right now. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a wake up call for me because I was like, I'm not, I'm not even present for them. And so I try to be present for my business and present for my children and, and find a good balance for that. I think I've really hit a stride right now with that. Well, first of all, I, I'm, I have a lot of respect for you guys being willing to have that conversation too, because those kinds of conversations can, can lead to a lot of conflict between uh, romantic partners at times. And, and the fact that he was able to come to you, be that direct, and, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, actually, you're right. And you made a change. Um, I, I just have a lot of respect for that. So props to you for that. It, you talked Thank about you. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Is there a particular reason why you chose those days? Yes, because Wednesday is a half day and Friday is the only day that I have of the weekend with my children because Saturday I'm typically shooting a wedding. Okay, that makes sense. And and then I like the idea of three MITs. And by the way, Swipes is a task management app for those of you listening in and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. But focusing on three big things that ideally move your business forward in some form or fashion in a day, I think is a absolutely wonderful way to go about running a business. And this is something that we've talked about before in the podcast. I love that you're living that out. And, and also the idea of having a schedule, but that you're not simultaneously micromanaging your day, breaking it down hour by hour. If you have a segment of time that you're working, it still gives you a sense of freedom and flexibility as a business owner, but you also have some structure there innate to to the way that you're running your business. And I think that's really great. Absolutely. Too. And like I said, I have severe ADD. So it's very hard. For, I have to, my friend Catalina taught me this trick where you take a big rubber band and you stretch it across the center of your phone. And I'll do that while I'm working. So it's a, it's a little like psychological trick, a mind game that you play with sure. yourself, if you will. So when you reach for your phone, you feel that rubber band and you're supposed to be working and you're like, Oh, nope. Because otherwise I would find myself just like wake up and I'm suddenly scrolling Pinterest for, right. you know, keto recipes. So that's another like just little thing that I do. I cannot, I'm not a person that does well with a strict schedule. So it's, it just works better for someone like me to have, you know, I'm going to get these things done instead of saying I'm going to do this at this time and this at this time. I like that. And it, it's simple and it's manageable. And, and again, you're not kind of micromanaging your life where you feel just absolutely crushed, your freedom crushed in the process. So I think that's a great balance. Absolutely. Are, are there certain principles that are driving some of those choices about how you're structuring your day-to-day that you can share with our listeners? Because I, I think you had mentioned to me in, via email a little while back that you travel four weekends a month. I mean, you've got a heavy travel schedule and again, busy schedule at home, just running the business and of course, wanting to be present for your family as well. What are the principles that drive your ability to kind of balance both of those things? First of all, self-care. 
is the most important. The term self-care is so, you know, it's such a kitschy kind of thing right now, but it is so true. You have to find the things that are going to make you feel like a human so that you can push yourself, your body, your mind to the limit. Because I have to be everything for everyone. It's kind of the thing is when you're a parent, you have to be everything for your children and everything for your business and the clients that need you as well. At all hours of the day, somebody needs something from me. So having that self-care and taking that time to do the things that I I need to do to be a functional functioning, you know, present and not angry, resentful adult is very important. (laughs) And that goes along with the, with the next thing, which is just knowing when enough is enough knowing what my limits are. And I learned that I took nine weddings in August and I was gone. I was home for, I think eight days of the entire month. And that was a big learning experience for me because while I loved every single couple, um, kind of this thing that's happened with how I branded myself, which is just branding who I am has brought these amazing people to me. So I don't have any people that I don't feel like I shouldn't be working with, which is perfect. But I took too many of those wonderful people in August and I just drove myself crazy. And it was like, you know, I was crying, I wasn't sleeping. So making sure that I know, you know, knowing when, what your limit is and, and how far you can push yourself before you break. Hmm. And is there a particular, like for you in a, in a year, for example, do you, at this point, are you able to clearly establish, like, I only need to take on X amount of weddings. Is that kind of what that limit would look like? I don't put myself in a box, but I'm not going to shoot. The thing I have learned is I'm not going to shoot more than five weddings a month. Okay. I, I just cannot do that and still be a, still be the mom that I want to be. Sure. That totally makes sense. Okay, so self-care. And by the way, I actually have a follow-up question on the self-care point too. You were, you were talking yeah. about working out early in the morning, um, 6 a.m. A lot of people kind of cringe at that idea. I'm definitely in agreement with you, the idea of starting the day with the workout because there's a high likelihood it doesn't get done otherwise. But do you find, like for example, this morning, um, and I'm, I'm adjusting my workouts this week just a little bit and actually extending them. I, I usually do a 20-minute high-intensity interval session on an elliptical machine and then I'm doing some, some, a combination of calisthenics and, and deadlifts and so forth. But I'm extending my workouts this week knowing that I tend to get a bit of a, um, or what I've experienced today anyway in particular, was this, this buzz that I get from going for an extended period of time. This is something that's talked about in the, you know, the running and probably cycling world and so forth as well, this, the, the so-called runner's high. But do you find that you actually gain energy? Because a lot of people probably the idea of working out exhausts them to begin with, and they're just going to jump to the coffee for energy. But do you actually find that it gives you not only physical energy, but a mental clarity as well? Oh, absolutely. It gets me high. That's exactly what workout is for me. I, I kind of, I, I need to have it. It's my drug. I'm addicted to the feeling of it. I'm not addicted. Like the must, like the growth in your body and the changes and being faster and all that stuff. That's all great. But I'm addicted to the way that it makes me feel throughout the entire day. Yeah. I get more done on a weekday that I do my self care than I do. If I were to skip my workout, I would be lethargic by 2 PM. Mm. I would be feeling like shit. Yeah. I would not I would not be focused when I'm working. The workout sets the tone for the entire day for me. I love that. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a tough hump to get over for people who aren't used to working out, especially early in the morning. I know that everyone kind of has their own preferred schedule, but 
um, I, I would encourage those of you listening in, if, if just know that at, on the other end of maybe a little hard work up front is not only potentially looking better, but also feeling better and more specifically having an energy and, and I mean, even a mental clarity. My mind was just kind of firing like crazy this morning. I'm sitting on, absolutely uh, on it was actually a stationary bike at the time and, and I, you know, this idea pops in and I jump to that thing and deal with this and answer this client. And it was, it was kind of fun. I don't normally work during a workout session, but my mind was just going to town and it was a, it was a cool experience to have and a good reminder too. So I love that you share that, but you started with self-care and then you said knowing when enough is enough, creating some boundaries. That's important. What's another principle? Um, just making sure that you have built a good support system around yourself. If it's, I, for instance, I don't have, you know, I am lucky enough to have a partner that I live my life with. Um, I know some people that are like single moms that do, I, which I applaud a single mother who is doing, you know, having their own business. That is incredible. You are the strongest of among us. Um, but having a good support system and making sure that you're also valuing your support system it's so important because my husband, I would never want him to feel like he's taken for granted. I recognize all the, and he wouldn't want the credit. He always says, I'm not, you know, he always says the same thing that you said earlier about babysitting the children. He's like, these are my children. Yeah. He, I always, I always tell him, I'm like, you're a better mom than me. And we laugh about <laughs> it because he is just, he is, he is the best dad in the world. Those boys, the sun, you know, rises and sets by those boys to him. So it's just time-wise making it work, but just making sure that you have a good support system that you're respecting mm. and that you're giving credit to them because you can't, I can't do this on my own. I wouldn't be able to do this volume of work on my own. My husband is, he is everything. He is the backbone of my business. He inspires a lot of my work and he also encourages me and keeps me moving forward. So I would just say making sure that you're respecting your, respecting the support that you have in your life. Yeah, that, that's a big deal too. I mean, just simple expression of appreciation goes a long, long way. And it certainly holds true with our significant others. But then also if we have friends or family. I mean, this is something that um, I have to take advantage of from time to time as a single dad that, you know, where I'm, I'm saying to, to my kids, hey, can you ask your, your friends if you can stay with them this weekend while I'm traveling or doing this thing or that thing? And, and making sure, sure that you actually take the time to show some appreciation, even if it's just a simple conversation, I think is so, so important. I mean, it, it may even seem Absolutely. obvious, but we, we need to do it because I think it can be easy to, to overlook sometimes. Anything else that you want to add to this conversation as we finish up here? Heck yeah. You need to stop and play in your life. I stop love it. Stop and play. Feel your heartbeats. Be aware of time passing. There's, we just are not anymore. It feels like everybody's zombies walking around thinking that, you know not really feeling their life, not really feeling that they'll never get that last minute back. I feel that every day. I force myself to be aware of the passage of time mm. and saying, you know what? I don't want to work today. Forget it. I want to go play with my kids in the front yard. And yeah. then that's okay. Yeah. Do something that makes you feel alive. I've been reminded of this as of late. And of course, everybody's going to have their own taste of excitement and venture and what that actually looks like to them. But um, I had the, the chance just recently to go to yet another track day on a motorcycle and I'm getting to do 160 miles an hour down the straight and then go into a oh turn where I'm, you know, almost leaned over and, and my knee touching the ground. 
and, oh my and God, racing no. around. I mean, the, these are the kinds of, and this is just my personal <laughs> exhilaration, but yes. to, to your point, Larkin, I, I think the idea that we actually engage in something consistently, not just once off every two or three months, but something that makes us feel alive, whether it's Absolutely. the simple things or it's a racetrack. Um, I think that's a great yeah, reminder. I, wor- I don't want your mother to know that you're doing that. <laughs> I, I, I don't share too many pictures with her. So <laughs> good. I, I'm thinking like, I was just thinking if my sons do that, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. <laughs> Well, this has been, I really have appreciated this conversation. I appreciate your, your candid, um, just sharing of your personal experience, what you've learned, certainly from, uh, your photography business, but also just in life in general. And, uh, I absolutely love your work and I'm going to make sure that I, I recommend everybody listening in that you go check out Larkin's work again, just go to Larkin Kendall, L-A-U-R-K-E-N dot com, And then same thing on Instagram, Larkin Kendall. And we'll link to those in the show notes. If you just go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And Haley puts together really wonderful show notes there. You're going to want to check those out. But Larkin, thank you so much for making time to share with us today. And uh, this has just been really, really lovely. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Come